down my people yo you just tuned in to another episode of the hip-hop spot podcast where i interview inspiring entrepreneurs within the entertainment field and yo me yo i'm brown 96 all the way from west coast california streaming out of salinas california to be exact yo this is another episode of that dopeness man Yo, if you haven't been tuning in to uh, my podcast, if this is perhaps your first episode you, you, you're checking in, tuning into, man, get ready because we have nothing but that knowledge bomb that we be dropping here with, um, you know, entertainers, you know, ranging from MCs to producers to DJs, yo, to actors, to clothing brand owners, to CEOs, to artist managers, yo, anything within entertainment, yo, we got it here. Today's episode, we have Mr. Night Owl, El Tecolote from San Diego, California. Yo, the homie is a veterano in the rap game. He knows a thing or two about, you know what I mean, that 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 thing, homie, that hip-hop game, man. And uh, he's going to talk to us about how he started his, um, his career as being an MC and, um, you know what I mean, where he was at mentally with all that and um his experiences with you know this that and the third you know what i mean so just tune in and check it out and see what the homie's about it's gonna be a dope ass fucking interview man and um like i always say man strap on that seatbelt man and get ready for the damn ride because here we go man to another episode of the hip-hop spot podcast yeah All right, we're back to the Hip Hop Spot podcast. Yo, we got the one and the only Mr. Night Out, El Tecolote de San Diego, California. What's going down, my homie? What's up, my boy? Just right here, relaxing, just, you know, chilling, man. You know what I mean? All my homies, we grew up listening to your jams, man. You know, taking it back from, you know, Hollow Point, all that, man. And, man, it's, it's a long, you know what I mean? You have a big catalog, bro. You know what I mean? And um, nothing but good music, bro. And um, you know what I mean? Take us back, man. Take us back when uh, you were a youngster, bro, out there in Waptown, San Diego. Um, you know, and uh, basically having to deal with, you know, you know, being a youngster and, and having to deal with our, our, our surroundings as youngsters. You know what I mean? Like dealing with street politics, dealing with, um, you know, school, dealing with cops and dealing with all kinds of topics within the barrio. You know what I mean? Talk to us about that, honey. Well, I mean, it, it was a trip growing up uh, in the neighborhood where I grew up at. It was uh, called Wapdown because uh, it was uh, basically all Italians, you know, when uh, the neighborhood first started. And then little by little, Rafa moved in, and then it was a mixture of Italianos and Mexicanos, and that's why it was called Wap Town, which stands for without papers. It was actually like a uh, like derogatory statement that they would call Italians. They would call them Waps, 
And, mm-hmm. you know, we just stuck with it. Like, we didn't care about that. And But Italian homies didn't care about that. So we ran with it, walked down. That's right. You know, and we were proud of it. And, and that's where we grew up at. You know, it was, it was a cool neighborhood. It was more like a family because we were all very close. And uh, it was, it was uh, like, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. You know, growing up in Wattown was something that uh, I really enjoyed. And uh, as a kid, I always liked uh, rap, you know, uh, that music. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I started rapping, started doing rhymes and shit. And I did them for the neighborhood. I didn't think that it was going to lead to a career uh, that I, you know, blossomed into and, and created. It was just something that I did for fun in the beginning. In doing that, you know, uh, other neighborhoods would rap and they had their little rappers and we'd have rap battles and obviously I killed them all, you know what I mean? They they couldn't deal with me and stuff like that. But, you know, it just started going and going and, and getting bigger and bigger and then all of a sudden people started telling me, hey, you know, you got to do something with that shit, you know? And I just started uh, taking it more serious and um, I met some dude up at Norwalk uh, that introduced me to uh, Murray Brumfield which was a Compton high school teacher that owned a record label, and that's how it all started. And then from then on, you know, I just basically started my career, and, you know, that was, you know, something that, you know, I'm very grateful for. You know, Vince is the one that helped me start my career. And, uh, you know, growing up in the neighborhood, though, it was cool. You know, we had our ups and downs with with police, you know, because... um, you know, we did our thing, but we never, you know, we were lucky. You know, we never got caught up. You know, back then, the cops were a little different. They didn't fuck with you as much as they do now. Now, it's like as soon as they see you, <clears throat> you're basically bad and you're not good, and, you know, just by, by the way you look. And back then, the cops were a little cooler. You know, they didn't really fuck with you as much, at least not in our neighborhood. They would come by. We had a trash can outside in front of this place where we would kick it at. It was an elementary school, and across the street, there was like a little park, and that's where we would chill at, and we had our own little uh, trash can there that the school would put out for us, and the cops would come by, and they'd see us, and they didn't fuck with us, man, as long as we cleaned up our mess or whatever, and it was like in a dead end, so uh, nobody really came in there. You know, if they came in, they were going out, you know, so uh, it, it was cool, man. I, I really enjoyed it growing up in my neighborhood, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Oh, that's cool, bro. That's cool. So now, I haven't understood that um, you were either signed or being in the process of being signed with Rootless when uh, Easy was around. Man, talk to us about that experience, bro, and um, how did you link up with Easy, and how was your whole experience with Easy? Like, what'd you learn from him? Well, um, the way that went down, you know, one day, uh, I, I believe it was a holiday because they didn't pick up, but I, I called Rootless Records uh, to see if I could talk to him and, you know, see if I could set up some kind of a meeting or something. And they didn't answer. So I left the song on, on the answering machine and uh, I called back, left another song, and I called back a third time. And third time I told them who I was and what I represented and where I was from. And that was it. You know, I didn't hear from them uh, for like a couple of weeks. And then I called back uh, about three weeks later two and a half weeks, something like that. And I recognized Jerry Heller's voice. And, you know, his voice was unique, so you knew his voice when you heard it. 
Mm. And I'm like, Jerry, what's up, my boy? And he's like, who's this? You know, I talked to him like I knew him and shit. And uh, he's, he's like, well, I told him, oh, this is Night Owl. And uh, he's like, Night Owl, hollow point. He was, what's up, man? And he was, me and he have been buzzing on your shit. We've been bumping it, and we were getting ready to call you guys. Uh, I want to set up a meeting. It was like quick, you know? And I'm like, fuck, I was excited and shit. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's hook up, you know, and let's do this. So I called the little one at that time. And uh, we went up there, you know, we met with Easy and we chopped it up with them. And, you know, we, we didn't get to spend a lot of time with them. We did a little bit, you know, so our relationship was cool. Uh, but we didn't get to spend a lot of time with him because shortly after we met him, he got sick and he passed away. Mm. But he did put us in a studio uh, with Mark Palladino at the edge. And we were recording right there. And that's where I met Above the Law. Cocaine, a bunch of people there, you know, uh, MC Rand, shit, you name it, the uh, big side, rest in peace. I, I met all these guys there, and uh, little by little, I worked with some of them. And, you know, thanks to Easy giving us the opportunity, I got to meet a lot of people. And we was getting ready to do a record for Rufus. At that time, he was beefing with Snoop and with Dre mm. and with Dogtown and all that. And I came up with the idea of doing an album uh, called Pet Cemetery, And we were going to do uh, a whole album dissing Death Row. Oh, and shit. me and uh, Little One had a song called Pet Cemetery. We had the main song where we were going at it against all these cats and shit. And I, I don't know what ever happened to that. That got lost in the files because it never came out. And uh, probably Tamika still has it or I don't know, but that got lost in the, in the Rufus files and, you know, easy passed away. So we never even got a copy of it because it wasn't finished. It wasn't mixed down, but the song was done. It just needed to get mixed. So maybe Mark Palladino has it in his studio files or whatever. I don't know, but we recorded all that shit on two inch. So, you know, it was different before, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, uh, easy was cool, man. Easy had a love, a lot of love for the Mexicans. And, you know, he basically thought he was Mexican himself, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was funny, man, because he, he got nothing but love from the Raza, you know, and, and he knew that. So he was That's a big cool. supporter of what we were doing. And if he would have been alive today, I think things would be so different right now because he was giving us, and other Latinos, Mexicanos, whatever you want to call us, he was giving us the opportunity mm -hmm. uh, to become somebody. You know, he, there was no racial barriers with him. He was a very righteous dude, man, and, you know, God bless EZE and may he rest in peace. Man, like, what do you think was it was that, that he had? I know he had something special. I just can't put my finger on it. You know what I mean? Like, I want to say, besides, you know, uh, people calling him a visionary, you know, and, and he just, he's all these names, but it's just something else that I've yet to see it in another, um, you know, person that is is running labels and things of that sort like him it's like no other man well basically uh what stood out for me Z, there was a few things one that he was a real gangster mm. and he was a real with uh with what he did i mean he, there was no bullshit with easy but i think the most important thing that he had was the ability to speak to people through his voice. Mm. His voice was unique. When you heard his voice, man, right off the bat, 
when you heard Boys in the Hood, you're like, God damn, who's that? <laughs> you know, it was it was a shit, you know, just right off the bat, you know. And he wasn't the best rapper in the world, but he sounded the best. Mm-hmm. Just the way the way his voice was, you know what I mean? He had a cool little flow with the voice that was uncomparable. And that's what got him over. His vocal tone and his delivery with it was very different. There was nothing like it. And that's what made him special. And then the ability to communicate with people and to be loved because he was a real dude. You know, there was a lot of things Easy used to do back in the day that maybe people don't know about. You know, like every Christmas and every Thanksgiving, he'd get a big old U-Haul and he'd go to the hood and he'd just give away turkeys and bikes and toys for the kids. And I mean, he was a real rock boy, like, well, you know, because, I mean, as a person, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, he was a, a real good dude, man. That's cool as fuck, man. And he put a lot of raza on, man. Like Brownside, you know, Kid Frost. I mean, you know, yourself. You know, he were you were, you know, making cuts with them and stuff. And uh, just a bunch of people he helped out. And it, it's just it's just crazy how nowadays there's separation even within our own raza. You know what I mean? And that's like, imagine if we got together and made some fucking dope ass music. Like how how the fuck would that sound? Man, that'd be the shit, man. You know, but. I think that these days it's really hard to do so because we don't get the support from the brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why he's so special. Easy did what no other brothers did. And now nowadays there's a few brothers that might want to help uh, a Mexican individual, but it's because they're going to help themselves. You know, they don't do it because they got love uh, for, for us. They do it because, well, if I help this dude, I'm going to meet some uh, Mexican chicks, and I'm going <laughs> to get some pussy, and I'm going to get this and that, and I'm going to have them behind me as well, and they're going to love me, and blah, blah, blah. So it's more of a business move than a move of, let me help these dudes because mm. I like them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just the reality, because if not, they would have been helping a lot of us a long time ago. And then you also have, you know, a lot of homies that want to do music, but in all due reality, there's a lot of them that suck. You know what I mean? So they get the ones that can spit a bad name. So, you know, the the market is so flooded with a lot of Chicanos that try to do music. That's why uh, a lot of people don't want to be categorized as Chicano rap because there's a lot of stuff out there that is garbage, but that doesn't mean it all is. Mm. We've been categorized by the media as Chicanos, so we need to embrace it and we need to represent it to the fullest because we are Chicanos. It doesn't mean we have to be put in a box and say, hey, we're we're Chicano rap and that's all. No, we're Chicanos that rap, so that's why it's Chicano rap. Now, in what we do, we can do a lot of different styles. You know, it could be some some love shit, some gangster shit, some uh, hip hop shit. It doesn't matter, but we're Chicanos, so it's considered Chicano rap. We can't change that. Now, no matter how hard you try, we're never going to go mainstream because it's just not the way it is. And so you've got a lot of dudes now these days trying to go mainstream and you know, they start saying the N-word and they start <laughs> acting like the brothers. And that's a 
big no-no because at the end of the day, if you try to cater to these people, these people are not going to support you. And it's not to be racial to talk about the black people, you know, because I got black homes. But in, in all the reality, when have you ever heard or when do you see a brother go and buy a Mexican dude's fucking CD? It doesn't mm, happen. It don't happen. They don't support us, bro. So why in the fuck cater to them? <laughs> cater to your own people. Give your people something to be proud of. That's how I feel. But not everybody feels the same. Yeah, you know, but yeah. I do. And I'm, I believe it strongly that if everybody felt the way I do, man, we have such a big, big genre and so many people supporting the movement. I just think a lot more people need to get on that same bandwagon so that we can move and take over this shit. Mm-hmm. For example, what do you think about that um, that song that dropped um, by, uh, I think it's YG, the one, the Go Loco? What do you think about that? Uh-huh. The song's cool. I but mean, I'm, I, I'm not a big, I'm not a big fan of of that style of music, but it's cool. It's not whack. You know what I mean? But it's I mean, more song. of the like the video, how you know, some people see it as you know, what I mean, that it's kind of a mock, almost in a way, mocking oh, our where, our where lifestyle, our culture. Yeah, they're mocking our culture, whatnot. You know what I mean? To make it like a kind of like a parody, and I guess you could say. Well, I agree. I agree, but they do it smoothly, and it's like this, another example, okay, Chingo Bling, okay, Chingo Bling, that's my homie, he's cool, he's a comedian, but he's not a great rapper, he's a, he's a funny guy, and he's a, he's a comedian, so he does stuff that's funny, and you know, he had a following at one point because of what he did, and you had a lot of people when they would talk about, like, uh, Rasta rapping or whatever, and they bring him up and they promote him. Well, why do you think they brought him and promoted him? Because he's a clown. Mm. In other words, they want to make us all look like clowns mm. because he's like what represents us. So, oh, they're all a bunch of fucking clowns, you know? So, like, they help at times, but when they help, it's like undercover hating that they can get away with. You see what I'm saying? Mm. It's got like a double, a double-sided sword. So they do things sometimes where they can get away with little shit, but they're not really trying to help us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at the end of the day, the only one that has and that did was Easy, mm-hmm. and I respect him for that. He did it in a respectful manner. You know what I mean? Like personally, exactly. me, personally, me. That song, I don't even play that. I don't fuck with that shit. It's just. The first time I see the video, I seen him like, you know what I mean? He's talking about like, you know what I mean? High night and all that shit. Like what? You know what I mean? Like, come on, dude. Like, you know what I mean? He, he don't talk that way. So why the fuck even say that? You know what I mean? Exactly. It, it, it's just the way they got down. Uh, to basically, like you say, the mockers, you know, to yeah. kind of make fun of us in, in, a, in a manner where they can get away with it because they can say like, I'm not making fun of you. I'm actually helping one of yours. Mm. Yeah, but at the same time, you're there with them. You're like, hey, come on, stupid. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's basically what you're doing, you know? So, hey, to each his own, Mm -hmm. and if you run with that and you support it, hey, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Like you say, I I don't bump it. You know, I didn't think the song was whack, but I've never once 
created in my stereo, mm. and I never will. It's just not my type of music. But, you know, I, I don't want to hate on dude or nothing like that. Yeah. I don't think he's whack or nothing. It's just not my kind of music. Yeah, yeah. That's it, you know? That's true, man. Yeah, yeah. That's that's completely right, man. If if you you know what I mean, if you don't like something, just don't play. You know what I mean? Um, now right. let's go back to the whole thing with Chicano rap, man. Cause um, this there's many views on this, and um, it's funny. The other day I was looking at like through Spotify, I was checking out like you know uh, King Little G, he's like one of the top um, Latino rappers right now, and um, I noticed that you know when you check out his um other artists that sound like him and, and they give you a list of other artists that you may like. All of the people that listed other artists you may like are Chicano rappers. You know what I mean? So right. as big as he may be right now, they're still low key. You know what I mean? Categorizing him as Chicano rap, no matter. he And he said this many times. I'm not Chicano rap. You know what I mean? I'm just a, a Chicano that raps. You know what I mean? But, no matter how many times he says it, the system or whatever you want to call it still puts him under Chicano rap. So why even mention any of that? You know what I mean? Why even say, oh, I'm a Chicano? I guess, you know what I mean? I don't know. Exactly. See, that's the thing. See, look, you don't have to say that you're Chicano rap. You don't have to say it. Just by being Chicano, you're Chicano rap because yeah. you're a Chicano that raps. It doesn't mean you're going to rap like a cholo. It doesn't mean you're going to rap like Orale on, on, on every song. It just means you're a Chicano rapper, which means you do Chicano rap. Now, people say, well, why don't they call black rap uh, if he's a brother rapping black rap? Because they don't do it. We're not the ones that made these fucking rules. The media made it. Now, it's too late. It's been labeled and categorized and we have to live with it. Now, when we came out, the reason why they categorized it as Chicano rap was because there was not many Mexicanos or Latinos, Hispanos that rapped. It was basically all brothers and then a few white boys, and that was it. And the only uh, Mexican food that was doing any music at the time was Frost, myself, Proper Dos, Conejo, Brownside. And you had a number amount of other ones uh, that were scattered here and there, but we were the main ones that were making any kind of noise. Mm. So you have a handful of individuals that they want to keep us out. So what do we do? They throw us on the side and say, that's Chicano rap. But little by little, it started growing. And as it grew, it got big. And when it, it started getting big, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people, they embrace it. And people like the little one and, and Shadow and everybody else. Now, they're Chicano rap, hmm. right? But then all of a sudden, it seemed that Chicano rap died for a while because everything came to a stop for some reason. It wasn't just Chicano rap. It was uh, all rap in general. I mean, because you look at 50 Cent, you know, he used to sell you know, 10, 12 million uh, units. And then all of a sudden, when the internet business came in and everybody started losing uh, sales, he dropped down to like a million from 12 million. That's a big difference. So other artists uh, like ourselves, you know, we also uh, lost a lot of sales because nobody was selling CDs no more. 
all mm. the uh, stores closed down. Once the stores closed down, we had no control over it. It was the internet that took over. So what did they do? They uh, continued to categorize us as Chicano rap. Mm. So why not embrace it and give your people something for them to be proud of instead of saying, I'm not Chicano rap. I want to be mainstream. You're never going to be mainstream, no matter how many units you sell, because you're not black or white. So they're never going to consider us mainstream. We can sell mainstream, like uh, those artists, but we can still be Chicano rap. Like, let's say, for example, you have Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg's not mainstream, okay? Tupac was not mainstream. They were gangster rappers, mm. but they sold so much that they considered them mainstream because they sold that much. Hmm. You know, some mainstream guys sold, I don't know, say 500,000 million units. These guys come in and now they're selling a lot more than them other guys. So they considered them mainstream, but they were not mainstream, mainstream artists when they came out. They just happened to sell a lot of units. Uh, and that's just the way it is with Chicanos, you know. Uh, you can sell millions of units if you get the support from your own people, and it doesn't mean you have to go mainstream. You know, you try to go mainstream, that's basically you're selling out and you're doing nothing but pop and radio shit. Mm. That's mainstream music to me. Top 40, that's mainstream music. We're not mainstream. We come from the fucking streets. So give back to your streets. Don't forget where in the fuck you come from. You know what I mean? Mm. If you forget where you come from, sooner or later, your fans are going to leave. They're going to be like, you know what, fuck this dude. He's not real. He ain't got our back. He don't support what we do. He don't support what we like. So why do we want to support him? You know, and that's the thing, like, with dudes like Little One, uh, you know, now they go around saying, oh, I'm not you got to rap, you know. I'm, I'm hip-hop, and uh, I'm uh, a mainstream artist. Well, I'm sorry, buddy. You're not mainstream because you don't fucking sell enough skinnies. So, I mean, that's just the way I see it. But everybody has their different perspective, you know, and everybody has their different points of views. Going back to, um, like, rap, Chicano rap that was back in the um, in the beginning stages, man. I remember it used to be nothing but, like, love for the raza and, you know what I mean, pride and self-empowerment, you know what I mean, type lyrics, you know what I mean, with keep your head up. And don't let no one get you down and all that. You know what I mean? Uh, right. Why do you think that you know, you know, the, the just the lyrics have have developed to something totally opposite of how we started? Because I think that the situations that we live in have changed, so you evolve uh, somewhat with the lifestyle. That's the reason why you have all these uh, Chicanos now that you look at them and you're like, man, you just need to spray things yourself back. You know, look at yourself, the way you talk, the way you dress, uh, everything that you do, you know, and that's what happens, you know, people somewhere along the line seemed to forget their culture and their whereabouts and how we were raised and brought up. And I think a lot of it has to do with trends. You know, somebody comes in with something hot. And these dudes are not good enough to create their own identity. So they want to copy another man and they go with the trends that are in. <clears throat> I've been doing this shit for like 30 years. I ain't never, you know, tried to be like anybody else. I just do my own shit. 
you know, and maybe that's the reason why I'm still around and I still have a lot of people that follow me. And, you know, I, I just try to keep it real, man, and try to give my fan base uh, some real shit. That's it. You know, I don't try to be somebody else or try to fit in with what's happening now. I can give a fuck about these new kids and the music that they listen to. Not the kids themselves, but the music that they listen to. It's not something I like. I'm not into all this uh, mumble stuff that you can't even understand what they're saying. And they say three words in the whole song, and <laughs> that's a song. It's yeah. crazy. You know, there's no talent in writing, you know, uh, a couple of words. You know, create something good, a little story, a little something that people can relate to that you can give your fan base something to embrace. Yeah, man, because I still bump that. I'm brown to the bone. Cup is the color of my skin. That's just dope as fuck, man. <laughs> oh, man. Man. I, you know, I trip out on this shit, homie. I wrote that song in, like, I would say, I think it must have been in 1989 or 88 when I wrote it. That's when I wrote it, and then... I met a producer named Sandman, and then we recorded it, I think, in 1990, and we put it on a four-track back then, and then after we recorded it on a four-track, in 91, I ended up re-rapping it at a studio, at a real studio, and uh, man, but I mean, that, that song has history, you know? Mm -hmm. It was a long, long time ago, and it was something at the moment that like when I did it, it, it was like for my people. That's mm. how I felt. Like this is for you guys. This is what we represent. This is like me trying to give back to you guys. And I did it with a lot of pride, you know. But I mean, I wasn't as good an artist then as I am now. But I trip out on how that song still people bump it and how they embrace it because it was something that they felt and. They, they lived through those moments with me and we grew together so it brings back a lot of memories I think it's more now than ever because like a lot of people myself including like we miss that type of music you know what I mean like nowadays it's all about that ignorant type shit I don't know it's just a different a different vibe nowadays man it's just like you say you know I mean not to be racist and all that but like it's more everything is more like I guess you could say blackwashed <laughs> you know what I mean and yeah, um, yeah, you know it, what I mean, it, it, and it's like we miss that type of music for our raza. You know what I mean? Things that we can actually like be proud that it was 100 percent made by raza. You know what I mean? And, and just just you know what I mean? For us, yeah. For us. Well, I, I mean, look, I, I have a new album that's going to be dropping in December, and uh, the new album that's going to be dropping in December is titled Al Pacino. It's fucking dope, and. That album, I have some stuff specifically for our rasa. Uh, it, it's really dope, man. You're gonna have to just, you know, hold on tight for a little bit, and uh, I'll send you some stuff in a minute, so that way maybe you can premiere it on your podcast. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'll send you some stuff. It, I got some really, really good shit. And basically, I'm going back to the 90s mm. with what I'm doing. I'm not trying to do like new styles like what's in right now. I, I got stuff that is basically representing 
what we went through back then, the era of the 90s, uh, the NWA uh, gangster shit, uh, the stuff with, you know, I got a nice little oldie uh, in there uh, for, you know, for the Ross It's really dope, man. You're going to have to just hold on tight, man, and hopefully uh, everybody will be happy when they get that album. It's really, really dope. And that was my next question, actually, um, that... As for um, the type of uh, sound that we used to love back in the '90s with Chicano rap, do you ever do you think that that will ever come back again as a as as something that is like a that people are, are actually wanting to hear more of? Well, honestly, I don't know if it's gonna come back through other artists, but it never left for me mm-hmm. because every album that I've done. I got at least one of those songs on there with the, you know, the little oldie feel for my people. Mm-hmm. So I've continued uh, to do the same shit that I've done ever since I started. I never changed my style. I always kept it night out, you know, and maybe that's why I'm still around and, and people still uh, embrace my music, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully you know, there'll be, there will be a few others that might somehow follow what I've done and they can embrace uh, my style and kind of have something similar. But we'll see what happens. I do have an artist though right now that reminds me a lot of myself when I was young mm. and he goes by the name of Big J and his album will be coming out maybe in December as well no later than January. We're working on it right now. I've been working with this kid for about five years. I've been developing him, developing him slowly, and he's ready now. And he's got some good shit, so stay tuned and wait for him. Big J. He's really dope. And uh, he's featured on a few of my songs on uh, this new album. Uh, on my last album that I did, it, it's me, him, and Shadow on a song as well. But, uh, yeah, he's really dope, man. AJ. That's what I'm from. All right. Um, now, you mentioned before that you recorded your first, uh, or was it your first track um, that you recorded on the four, uh, a four track? Yeah, yeah, I recorded on a four track. That was uh, the first stuff that we were doing. And then after that, we took those songs. I did Here Comes the Night on a four track as well. Mm. And then after, after that, we had basically the demo and then we went to F1, and we recorded there. And then we recorded at some other studio. I forgot the name of it. It's been so long. I know it was out in Santa Monica. And we recorded there, and we mixed everything there. And we dropped it in, I believe it was 90, 92, I think. My first single came out in 91, I believe. Or early, yeah, I think it was... 91 or 92 I'm not sure it's been so long ago you know what I mean now was there uh, was that your very first experience with any musical uh, you know technology like a four track and all that when you when it comes to recording or was there another time that you like you know like your very first time that you actually recorded something my very first time that I recorded on a four track was I had did stuff it was kind of like before back in the day they had these little uh, cassette recorders that you plugged in a microphone to, and it was kind of like a karaoke. Mm, okay. And then you, you'd hit record, and while the beat was playing, you'd start rapping into the microphone, and it would record you. Mm. Or you'd have the, 
technique 1200s and somebody's spinning, cutting a record or whatever, and then you get a mic and then you, you know, put a, a cassette on and you record while you're doing this stuff live. Back then there was no, okay, if I fuck up, I got to go back over there and erase that and, you know, punch in. It was just raw, you know, there was no, you know, if you fuck up, you fuck up, you know, that's, that was it. And uh, that's how I started. And then all of a sudden, I had a DJ that was doing mixtapes, and he used a four track. And that's how I was introduced to it. And then I rapped on a few of his mixtapes. And that's basically where I first started doing uh, my, my recording, uh, I thought was somewhat professionally. And then after that, I started doing neighborhood roll calls and songs for the neighborhood. And I was doing them to instrumentals. And then from there on, that's when Vince heard me. Mm. And then that's how I met uh, Murray uh, at uh, at L.A. and stuff. At, at uh, this Swami I went to. And anyways, I met with them, and then, you know, the rest is history. And, mm. you know, we started uh, the record, and, you know, here I am these days now still still doing music. That's crazy how things just, just happen. Just, you know what I mean? It's just meant to be, you know what I mean? That's crazy as fuck. And yeah. It's the... Um, now, in the time that you started recording, you know, I know, you know what I mean, there's a bunch of tracks that, you know, probably you never decided to just put out. Is there anything you're holding on to to this day that was, like, from the beginning stages, like, since the 90s and all that? Yeah, there's shit I have about, <clears throat> shit, 30, 40 songs that are unfinished. Like, say, for example, uh, I did a hook and a verse and the rest of it's not done. There's some that got two verses and no hook. Uh, there's some that are complete, and I just never put them out because you know, at the time I put, say, 15 songs on the album, and I didn't want to put 16 or 17. Mm -hmm. So that was it. Those songs didn't make the album. Doesn't mean that they were not good. At the time, for some reason, I was like, and it's okay. I don't want to put the song on there. It doesn't match the album mm. for some reason. And now I listen to some of these songs, and I'm like, man, this shit is fucking dope. I don't know why I never released hmm. it, you know? So I'm thinking of releasing, like, maybe something called The Lost Files. Mm. And, you know, putting a bunch of stuff that I did back in the 90s that never was released and just release it all as, you know, the lost songs from, from Night Out and, you know, put them out. You know, there's some pretty good shit there, so Man. I'll probably end up doing that sooner or later. So in what format do you have them in right now? In the four track or do you have them like on uh, digital already? Yeah, yeah, I have them on digital already. Oh, okay. So when can we uh, expect both um, the Lost Files and Al Pacino? Al Pacino will be out in December. I, I just got the cover done for it. Man, when you have the cover is fucking ridiculous. When you see it, you're going to be like, man, this is dope. <laughs> you know, I always, uh, somehow, I, I got my character, that owl that I use oh, yeah. on a lot of my covers, and the cartoon owl. And uh, once again, I used them. But what I did was, since I called it Al Pacino, I dressed the owl up like Scarface, <laughs> and I put him in that white suit. Mm -hmm. And I created that scene where in the movie, uh, he's inside that, uh, like, nightclub, and...
then all of a sudden they have that shootout oh, okay. when they try to kill him. And then, you know, there's dudes like scattered on the floor with the lights that hit them in the back that, that fall down and shit. I basically created that scene in a cartoon format with my owl. It's fucking ridiculous. It's really dope. And that's basically the cover. It's a six. So I named it Al Pacino. Hmm. That's cool as fuck. A lot of rappers drop like little, you know what I mean, cartoon characters like themselves and stuff like that. But no one, no one actually, you know, uh, takes on that idea in, in, into a further aspect, you know what I mean? And in, in, like make it into a little cartoon or something like that. Would you ever consider doing something like that with your character? Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now I'm uh, doing a stuffed animal. It's in the making right now. I got a plush coming and I, it should be here by Christmas. I actually, uh, had the like the master done a couple of years ago and I just hadn't gone through with it because you know it gets a little expensive you know and mm. I just you know came across some money and stuff and I said you know what I'm gonna do it you know I'm gonna do it now so I went into production with them I should have them by Christmas and when you squeeze the stomach it's gonna sing daddy I'm in love with the cancer oh, so it's gonna be pretty cool that's cool that's cool. we got you that idea you know, just having the cartoon, man, you know, just mm. uh, having the drawing and the cartoon. I said, you know what? I got to bring this to life, man, mm -hmm. you know, because it's a cool character <laughs> yeah. that even kids are like, you know, it, it's a cool one. It's like a homie, like a little yeah. homie. And it's going to be dope, man, when it comes out. I know a lot of people are going to want to get it for the collection. Oh, yeah. And like... And even something even bigger than that, you know what I mean? Just a, like a full-on cartoon, like, you know what I mean? A 20-minute type of show that'd be fucking dope as fuck I'm, oh, yeah, I've man, yet to man, see a Chicano man, show cool, like that man, but you know I, I don't know how to go about that man but I would be more than more than down with it man if you know somebody uh, picked up uh, like my our cartoon they wanted to do it and create some kind of cartoon that would be a great idea and you could have like basically uh, like a, a cartoon show of like little cartoons that rap mm. that would be dope man you know what I mean? And you can have a lot of other artists uh, involved in it, you know, but that would be the shit because having a, like, cartoon character that people can actually, like, look at and like, that would be dope because it, it would, even the kids would like it, you know what I mean? So, I mean, the ideas are just so many and they're incredible when you let your mind go, mm -hmm. but it takes money and it takes oh, the yeah. right people to make those things happen, you know? It's OC, bro. Now, the first yeah. time, bro, the first time you stepped on the stage, man, when you were about to perform your tracks, you know what I mean? What was that feeling? And um, even to this day, when you step on stages, how do you manage it? You know, for the for the gente listening that are, haven't gone on stage yet, what would you suggest to them? Well, when you go on stage, first of all, you got to be confident and you got to be prepared. And you gotta be ready. And the reason why I say that because that means when you do that, you're gonna do good. You know, there's no lie that even up to this day, when I get up on stage, I become somebody else, bro. Like I'll be like just myself throughout the whole thing while I'm there chilling. And when it's time for me to get up and perform, it's like somebody gets inside of me and I become a different person and the world is mine. And I'm like, can't nobody fuck with me. I'm the best there is. And I'm fucking 
taking over this shit. Mm. And I look at the crowd and I make contact with them. That's the most important thing. You have to control the crowd and get their attention. And that's what I do. I get the attention from them. I look at them and I speak with authority so that way they feel what I'm saying. And a lot of times I see a lot of rappers get on stage and they're very timid. They're nervous and they feel like, what if I fuck up, you know? And you can't feel like that. You got to get up there and I just say, you know what? I'm going to rip it up, you know? Whether you fuck up or not, because we all fuck up sometimes. You forget a lyric or two. Mm -hmm. But see, that's the thing, that if you forget a lyric or two, you can't let the crowd know you did that. Mm. You got to just keep going. You, you can't let them know you fucked up. I remember one day, I was, uh, one of the first shows I ever did, I was on stage and I forgot some lyrics to my third verse. And here I am, you know, I'm like, oh shit, the verse is about to start. And I had like a nervous a little moment. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? Shit, I don't, I don't remember the lyrics. Hmm. And I couldn't remember how the third verse started. It wasn't hitting me. So all of a sudden, boom, the hook is over, the chorus is over. I got to start. So I just started freestyling. And, you know, I start doing my thing and I start mentioning the place where I'm at and you know some girls like what's up and blah 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 and all of a sudden everybody's going crazy they're like oh shit he, he did this just for us he flipped mm -hmm. it you know it wasn't that I meant to do it I fucked <laughs> up you know but it came out good you know so you have to be ready you know if one day you forget something or whatever you can't like give up and be like, oh shit, I fucked up and walk off stage. You gotta play the part like, hey, ain't nothing wrong here. You know, it's all good. And you gotta take control of the situation. And basically, you know, that's what I did. And everything turned out good. And after the show, everybody's like, man, that was dope, man, the little remix. And mm -hmm. I'm like, man, if you only knew. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's how that turned out, man. You know, you just gotta be confident and you gotta step up and you know, not get nervous because that'll fuck you up. Yeah, man. That's dope as fuck, man. Hey, este, now that you reach, uh, you know what I mean, this plateau in your, in your, you know what I mean, your career, in, you know, within rap, this recognition you have, man, but like, with social media, bro, like, it's such a different thing. Like, like I usually ask people, like, what do you think, how do you think, we would be now if we had social media back then in the 90s and the 80s. How, how more would it be, you know, worse for us? Would it be better for us? What do you think? Well, to be honest, you know that social media is the easiest way to get known. But I think that with the Kalecha that we have, with the knowledge and the way we were raised in comparison to the way these new kids are being raised these days, I think we would have been more uh, respectful with social media and we would have gotten farther than where we got, you know, now uh, by basically, you know, using social media to our advantage to promote and to do things, but we would use it in the right way. We wouldn't use it like all these fucking idiots that are just walking around with their phone looking to see who they can videotape to humiliate them or mm. to 
try to uh, tell on, like, oh, this guy's arguing with that lady. Record them. They're probably going to fight. You know, and then they, they record things for the wrong reasons. And that's basically what this uh, new generation does. You know, they go on social media and they want to get known by uh, doing other people wrong or by snitching on someone, by putting them on blast on social media or whatever. Back then, there was no such thing as telling on people. There was no such thing as, you know, doing things like that. I think if we would have had social media back then, though, I think we would have used it uh, a lot different and we would have promoted ourselves and shit. If we made all the money we made back then, like, there was no social media and they had our shit in Japan. Mm -hmm. They had our shit in Europe and Italy. All over the place, they were bumping our music all by word of mouth. Imagine if we had social media, what we would have accomplished. You know, that's why these days I tell these kids, don't think that you guys are doing bigger shit than what we did. You know, they need to give us credit for what we created and the foundation that we did because we started all this shit and we did everything without the help of anybody. We had to earn, we had to sell shit out of the trunk. We had to go to the stores ourselves. We had to go to the distributors ourselves. We had to do so much shit on our own. We got no help from no one, but yet our shit was all over the world. And these days now, these motherfuckers just sit on their ass, Hmm. upload a song on the internet, and that's it. And they get known. It's like there's no real hard work to what you do. And back then, you had to work hard in order to create something. You know, we, we fucking struggled, man. And we paid and we paved the way for all these new guys that are here today. That's why when some of these new cats don't give us the props I feel that we deserve, you know, I, I kind of like take it like a disrespect because, you know, we worked hard and we did so much for the guys now because everything that we did, we didn't do just for us. We did it for our future, for our new kids that were growing up. So I feel they should show us a little love, you know, and that's just my point of view. I don't know how other people mm-hmm. feel about it, but that's just what I think. If you treat people a certain way, they're going to treat you the same way. So, you know, I, I would say 99% of people that I came across always treated me good because I never did no one wrong. You know, there was a few situations where, you know, I had things that didn't turn out right because of certain individuals, you know, things happen. Not everybody's perfect. But overall, I got a good response from everyone. Mm. That's good to hear, man, because a lot of people, you know what I mean, have gone through a bunch of shit. And I'm talking about the the originators, you know what I mean? And, like, yeah. and that's the reason why, like, the new generation, MCs, rappers, they're not dealing with those type of things. I mean, you guys you guys took all the fucking dirt so we can, like, you know what I mean? So the new generation can just, just fucking smoothly do their thing, you know what I mean? So that's dope as fuck, man. All right. 
you've been in the game for so long, man. You know what I mean? You've seen all kinds of shit, man. Talk to us about the snakes, man. People that will backstab. And most likely, for the most part that I've seen, is your own people doing that shit. You know, you, you ain't right about that. What happens, Bo, is that as... It's, it's sad to say. It's really sad. That it, it all goes back to, like, Chicano rap. Basically, you know, when one of our own, our people are very jealous people, and we need to learn how to not be that way. You know, it's like, if you see, like, this thing I can say about the brothers, right? If you see uh, these brothers, and then one of them, let's just say, gets a brand new car, gets a brand new Cadillac, right? All the other ones are like, damn, brother, that motherfucker's tight. That shit is dope. And they give them props. Mm. And everybody's like, man, that shit is badass. And, and, and they're happy for the dude, right? With our people, if we get, like, let's say, uh, Pedro got a brand new car, you know, and he's around his homies, and... He's you not know, showing up, or he's barely getting there, whatever. And he just got in himself a brand new Cadillac, and he pulls up. Well, there you got his homies there, and they're gonna be like, "Look at Pedro. This motherfucker thinks he's bad now. Hmm. He's got a brand new car, and he thinks his shit don't stink." Hmm. Instead of giving the rapper uh, props and saying, "Hey, homie, you got a fucking nice ride." They're hating on the dude. Mm. And that's the problem with our people. You know, instead of congratulating, motherfuckers are hating. You know, and that's what's fucked up. And that's the reason why a lot of people don't want to be categorized as Chicano rap. Because I believe that the main reason why they don't want to be categorized is for that. Because there's so much hating and no one's helping no one. So they're like, why in the fuck do I want to be boxed in right there when all these motherfuckers, all they do is talk shit and put each other down, mm. you know? But at the end of the day, it's never going to change if the right people don't stand and stick together and say, hey, you know what? Fuck that. Yeah, I'm just trying to rap and what? And this is what I do. Doesn't mean you got to rap like a cholo. Mm. Just you represent what you represent because you're Chicano and you just do your thing right and if more people start doing it man things will change you know and all of a sudden people will stop hating but that's where it starts so it's got to start somewhere and I'm trying to make that movement and I'm working hard into getting it going and you know there's a few of the people that are following what I'm doing and hopefully more pick up and more continue to, to do what, what I want to do. Because if everyone walks away, basically, you know, from what you were made out of, like, whatever you did and whatever made you be who you are is your own people, mm. you know? So if you forget about them and you tell them, I'm not one of you, fuck you guys. Don't consider me from your circle then you're turning your back on them. And if you do that, sooner or later, they're not going to, you know, respect you and they're not going to like your music. And once you do that and other people start doing it, then it's just going to get worse and worse. So 
I think we need to all unite, stick together, and make this movement a very powerful one. Yeah. There's more Latinos in the world than any other race, hmm. more Mexicanos, you know, so why not give to your people? You know, there's a lot of us. We can go platinum with our own people. We don't need the black people or the white people, but we have to stick together. Hmm. Yeah, you're right, man. Like, personally, me as an MC, I got them burned by promoters, by, you know what I mean, just different people that you encounter with, you know what I mean? And um, it's a shame that it's like your own people, like, you know what I mean, robbing you and shit, you know what I mean, like that. And they see you're a struggling artist that you're trying to come up and stuff, but yeah, they still decide to jack you, you know what I mean? That's crazy. That's crazy, man. Right, you know what they say, there's an old saying, you never kick a man when he's down, but it seems like with our people, it's like, if he's down, don't let him get up, kick hmm. him. <laughs> they, they do it the other way around, you know, and it's just reality. That's how it is, but things got to change, man. You know, our people got to unite, got to stick together, and look, look at the brothers. You know, for many years, for many years, they didn't get a lot of shit done. And all of a sudden, what did they do? You know, they fucking would cry about everything. You know, they start fucking getting together and just, you know, making a big old chaos situation. Uh, and people don't want that. You know, America don't want problems. So what do they do? They start listening because they start creating problems. So they're like, we don't want problems, so listen. It's the same thing with our people. If they got together and they started fucking uniting and saying, fuck that, this is what we want, you know, legally, you know, like all these different laws and all these different things that should change are not gonna change if the people don't stand. So we have to unite, man, that's important. You know, so uh, voting, I, I agree that, you know, is something that should be done by everyone, you know, and one vote to make the change, you know, so everybody should fucking uh, step up, man, and, and fight for what we believe in. Yeah, man, it's a lot of, a lot of Rasa trying to um, stay empowered and stuff and, and stay, like, activists and stuff like that. Like, me personally, I feel that if we... We can fucking, like, do all kinds of this madre with, you know, just us trying to take our shit back. You know what I mean? Trying to take what's ours back and whatnot. But um, instead of doing that, we're, like, fucking doing all this all this ignorant shit to each other. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's just, uh, uh-huh. we're just going backwards. It's a relapse in, in within our own culture, within our own people. It's, like, it's crazy as fuck. Like, we don't see it. We don't see it in that way. We see it like, like... Oh, I got more than you, you know what I mean? Or or, or I'm better right. than you, you know, all that. But we don't see the big picture, you know what I mean? I want to hear about the experience with uh, you and Johnny J, man. How did you get to to meet the homie? And um, how was your experience with um, just, just meeting him and being with him and stuff? Man, it's just a trip that you asked, man. It's about um, the way I met Johnny J. Um, I went to Tijuana to a club and I was with a couple of homeboys and we were there, you know, having some beers and shit, relaxing, having drinks. And the table next to us was Johnny J, his mm. wife, Capuchin, 
uh, his wife's sister. I don't remember her name. And a little white boy named Biggie Smalls. I don't know if you remember him. There was a white boy named Biggie Smalls before Notorious B.I.G. was called Biggie Smalls. Okay, so that's the reason why when Biggie Smalls came out, he had to change his name to Notorious B.I.G. Because it was already a Biggie Smalls, and he was a white boy. And he did a song titled Cruising. Okay, so anyways, he's going to perform in uh, the club that we're at. He's there with Johnny J, okay? I've never met Johnny J. I've never met that dude, Biggie Smalls. So we're there chilling. They're having drinks. And there's a couple of little trolleos dancing. You know how they dance. And <laughs> they have their, their their hands up and they kind of just, you know, they, they boogie a little bit, but oh, yeah. kind of like, you know, the way the fellows do it. So uh, I remember... Uh, Biggie Smalls got up and he started like mocking them. Oh, and him and Johnny were laughing. Yeah, him and Johnny were laughing. And then Johnny stood up and he started doing the same thing, right? So, but they were having a good time. They weren't doing it like in a disrespectful way. Right. They were like, they were like, okay, hey, you're the homes. And, but they were like not clowning. They were like just enjoying everything, right? But when I seen them doing that, I thought it was like, hey, these motherfuckers are disrespecting, you know? So right away, the first thing I did, I went over there to the table, and I said, hey, what the fuck's your problem, homie? And he's like, what's up, dog? And I'm like, well, who in the fuck you trying to clown? And then that dude that he smiles got all scared, and he's like, nah, 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 I ain't clowning nobody, homie. I'm not <laughs> doing shit. And then Johnny J tells me, hey, homie, what's wrong, man? And I said, hey, this motherfucker's trying to clown. He's trying to dance like he's a homie. And he's, and he's like, hey, dog, he's all, we ain't tripping. We're having a good time, dog. We're loving everything here. It's our first time in Mexico. He goes, look, man, he goes, let me buy you a drink. We're not tripping. So he, the, the fucking bartender comes by, and he goes, hey, let us get a drink, man. So he goes, get what you want. So he buys me a, a Corona, you know. So we're drinking a beer. So we're chilling. And uh, he's like, hey, homie, uh, what do you, you know, what do you think about uh, our, our music? And he asked me if I ever heard of Vicky Smalls. And I go, man, I never heard of him. He goes, well, he's going to perform right now, man, you know. Hopefully you like his music, you know. And then he was going to do, I think it was three songs, you know what I mean? So the dude tells me, hey, uh, well, what do you do for a living or whatever? Then I said, man, I, I rap, homie. I do music, too. And he goes, you rap? He goes, what? So we started talking and shit, and he introduced himself, tells me who he is. I don't know who he is at the time, so I'm like, all right, nice to meet you and shit. And then he goes, hey, you want to throw down tonight uh, during our show? And I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. And I had my uh, CD in my in my uh shirt with the instrumental oh, i don't know shit. why i had it it was weird it was like meant to be yeah. so i said hey i got my song here dude i go you can put my song on there so he goes all right he goes i'm gonna let this guy do two songs and then i'm gonna let you do a song and i was not really known at the moment my song was known already but not a lot because it had barely came out you know what i mean but 
it already had a buzz. Like people didn't know me personally, but they knew the song. All mm. of a sudden, uh, that dude does his music, blah blah blah, and people liked it. People were clapping and you know doing their little hey and whatever. And all of a sudden, he announces me and he says, "Hey, we got a special guest right here, you know, from San Diego, and uh, we're gonna let him perform a song. You know, it's our set, so we got you know a little time for him." and we're gonna let him perform. I mean, he showed me mad love. So I get up on stage, and all of a sudden I do, here comes the night out. Man, everybody went fucking nuts, because they already knew the song. So everybody started going crazy, and Johnny J was like, what the fuck, who is this fool? And so anyways, he, he uh, called me back after I did my performance, and you know everything went real good, and then he's like, hey man, He's all, people seem to like, do they know you already? He goes, man, I had never heard your shit. He goes, you're fucking dope and blah, blah, blah. So he gives me his number and he tells me to give him a call and for us to hook up. So all of a sudden, I give him a call. We became super good friends, man. And I used to go to his pad all the time, stay there for three, four days, chill with them. I worked on a lot of music with him. And then he introduced me to Big Sight. And then I built a relationship with him, and we became really good friends. And then I met, through him, I met uh, uh, The Outlaws. I met uh, Mo Cream, which is Tupac's brother. I ended up meeting Tupac. I mean, just so much shit, you know what I mean? And it was all through Johnny J, man. But dude was super cool. And we was in the project, in the process of doing an album when he passed away as well. Yeah. You know, there's there's a magazine that I have where Tupac and Johnny J are sitting down and they're like hugging each other, like talking, and uh, Johnny J mentions me and they talk about me in that article. And I kept it, I still have it. One day I'm gonna frame it and, and put it up on my wall. But um, Johnny was a real cool dude, man. Johnny was a cool cat. It's like so many things that I would like to have seen or, you know what I mean? Like, damn, it just like, it just like seems to more and more fucking things have happened that destroyed what could have been the best fucking music that could have existed. You know what I mean? Which was, you know what I mean? Easy, Johnny J. And for people, and, and I hate to even, you know, acknowledge the fact that not a lot of people know about what Johnny J you know, what he's done to the hip-hop rap game, you know what I mean, he, he produced Tupac's beats, you know, he just did so much fucking dope work, man, and uh, it's so sad that, oh, you know what I mean? Big. He was great. Yeah, yeah, man. Now, do you, did you catch any of what the issue was? Was he having some kind of a, something, a mental issue or something? Like, why did he do what he did, bro? Mm, to be honest, you know what, I think... I think it was politics that killed him because Johnny J was 100% Mexican. But the reason why he had his last name J, it was for Jackson, Johnny Jackson. Johnny was born, if I'm not mistaken, in Chihuahua. And, you know, he was adopted by a black family. Mm. So he grew in a black family and grew around black people. 
but he never forgot his roots, man. Mm-hmm. Johnny always gave love to his people. That's the, the, the beautiful thing about everything, you know? And Johnny was, was a real cool cat, man. I mean, he was very humble. He was uh, a nice man. He was a very good individual. And I, I think that he was not the type of individual that was out there gangbanging and getting in trouble. So he did not know the like do's and don'ts and the rules of uh, being in jail. So when he was in, in L.A. County, um, he was rolling around like cool with everybody. Mm. You know what I mean? So in there, blacks stick with blacks. Mexicans stick with Mexicans and whites stick with whites. It doesn't matter if in the streets you guys were friends or not, because when you're in there, all that is outdoor. You stick with your own and that's it. There's no sticking with other people. You have to stick with your own race. So Johnny goes in there. He doesn't know what time it is. He's new to all this shit. You know, he's in there. He's using the N word because that's how he was raised. Mm -hmm. But he didn't try to act like these new guys. He was just natural. He was very cool, but he represented his people well. But he talked to everybody. So, you know, he would talk to whether you were black or white or Mexican. He didn't understand the rules in there. So he was hanging around with, let's just say, the wrong crowd. And politics is what got him. I can't say exactly what happened because I don't want to, you know, I I don't know. I I don't think I'm allowed to be saying certain things like this through here. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because politics can get you, you know, in trouble. So I got to be careful with what I say. But Johnny just didn't know the ropes. And that's what got him. But it it wasn't that he was... uh, mentally uh, fucked up in the head. You know, he was about to get out. He only had about a month left and he was doing time for a DUI. So he was about to get out, man. It's so crazy how there was, initially they had said that that someone had done something to him, but then the, the story came out that he had committed suicide. So I don't know, it's just so many things. And then, you know, I guess we, I guess we'll never know about that stuff, man. You know, my my thing, I'm sure it could have been a mixture of both, you know, in the sense that if if he was uh, took it out, it was because he hung with the wrong people. Mm. And those are no-nos in there. If you're Mexican, you're hanging <clears throat> with your own. If you don't, then, you know, you're going to get... You're going to get yeah. fucked up, you know what I mean? And then there was also uh, word that he was having problems with his wife and there was something going on and he just didn't want to be without her or whatever and he just said, fuck it. Yeah. And that he killed himself. But to be honest, I, I wouldn't know the true story. I wasn't there. Yeah. So I, I can't pinpoint it. I just know that he either was thrown or jumped off the second tier. And 
and that was it. And, you know, he hit the floor, and he died, you know, and he was a good dude, man. You know, I wish he wouldn't have did that, you know. I, not because I would have been working with him still, but just because he was a good dude, you know. Yeah. And it would be nice to have him here, to, to be able to have him do much more of the great sounds that he released, That He had incredible music. Now, did he ever produce to any of your music? Well, we were, he gave me like about 10 beats uh, for me to do. And I had to go in the studio with him. And I never got to because mm. he killed himself. But I had, you know, a bunch of stuff that he gave me. What I did listen to was when I used to go to his house, he had over 250 songs that he did with Tupac that were unreleased. Mm -hmm. And I got to hear a lot of that shit. Man, some of that shit was really fucking dope. Damn. <laughs> it's just, man, just so much, so much good that just got lost and just, you know what I mean? We'll, we might never hear the music that could have been released, the music that we could have right. just been vibing off of, man. That's, that's a shame, man. But, uh, you know, nevertheless, man, we we still got a lot of the great ones that are still, you know what I mean, standing strong right. and um, doing their thing. And um, like you said before, man, if we don't, if we don't, um, you know what I mean, like take You're care right. of our own, take care of our own, man, who's going to do that, man? If we don't, you know what I mean, help our own people, who's going to do it, man? You know what I mean? So it's like, we got to do yeah. that shit. We got to do that shit, man. And um, Yeah, I mean, I'm all for it, man. Anybody that, you know, needs a little help or whatever or advice mm. uh, with anything that I can help with, I'm always, you know, available. I mean, people get at me through either Instagram or Facebook and they drop me a message and I get back to them. Uh, you know, I don't have anybody running my pages. You know, I get back to people. I talk to them on a personal basis and I do it because I like to make sure that those that are true fans get to talk to me, you know mm. what I mean? And I try to just be one of you, you know, like I'm just a normal individual and I just happen to do music and that's it, you know? And I just like to give back to my people, man. And whatever it is that I can do, I'm always going to be there for mine. Hey, check this out, bro. I don't know if you've seen those, um, there's like different shows that, you know what I mean, kind of like your voice, the voice and um, all those, you know what I mean, those singing with with um, judges and stuff like that, or, you know what I mean, and this is this new one called, uh, what is that, Rhyme and Reason, I think it's called, that, you know, you rap in front yeah. of three judges or whatnot. Do you ever for want... foresee, like, us doing something like that as, 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 as a raza, as Latinos, doing something for our own, like, you know what I mean? Something like that, that'd be dope as fuck, man. I think that'll be dope as fuck if they did it. Uh, but who would step up and who's got the ability to do that? As far as what I mean is, it takes people in the business with power to be able to get a show like that and to get sponsored and to get uh, money that's going to fund it. Mm. It, it, all that shit's expensive now would they let us in that's the question probably not so that means 
somebody that has money that's Latino would have to take the exactly. initiative uh-huh. to do that. And if they take the initiative to do that and they get, like, say, three or four people that support it and do it, then it could work. But it takes some people to step forward and to make it happen. And if they were to do that, man, it, it would really uh, help our own people grow yeah. up, man. It, it's a good thing, but we'll see what happens in the future. Hopefully it will, you know. I would love to see um, judges, you know what I mean? Night Owl, Little Rob, uh, Frost, you know what I mean? And like the dope, man, it would be so fucking dope, man, to see that shit. And just like, it will open even more doors, you know what I mean? Like, I guess you could say we would go back to how we used to be, like trying to, you know what I mean, knock on, on, on these doors and those doors and just trying to open you just new avenues for us to go in through. And it's like, this is one new thing that we can break uh, another barrier to be, you know what I mean, just like these other shows that are going on. But what about us? Like, I've been watching them and I've yet to see a Chicano rapper in any of those fucking shows. So it's like, what the fuck? You know what? Uh, I believe there was one, but he didn't advance... Uh, and he's from Pomona. Someone was telling me uh, the guy's name was uh, CNG or something like that. I've never, I've never heard him, but I guess it stands for uh, Come and Goes. That's what he said. Okay. And yeah, he was on there, man. If I'm liking the idea, man, I'm sure million motherfuckers will love the idea of this. Uh, what I was mentioning, man. So, um, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like. Shh. You know what I mean? Some, something like that has to give, man. Because my, our people, man, we're fucking dope ass people, and for us not to be in the forefront like like other people, like how the fuck is that going on? Yeah, it's it's not. It doesn't make sense, you know. So uh, then again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. You know, we need to unite yeah. because I mean, it's like say for example, uh, you know, when you come across the border, right? And you come across the border and sometimes the immigration officer that's there, he's a white dude. And he's like, hey, you know, where were you born at? Where are you coming from? And you tell him, I was born in, say, San Diego. And I just came out here to see uh, you know, my tia or whatever. All right, uh, that's cool. He goes, have a good day, be careful, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He lets you go. Now, the next day, you come through there again. And there's a guy there and he's a Mexican, okay, the immigration officer. And he tells you, you know, uh, where are you coming from? And you tell him, I came to see my tia. And he's like, oh yeah? You got any drugs? You got this, you got that? You know, and instead of him being cooler with you because he's your own people, he's fucking worse. (laughs) You know, those are the worst ones. And they like try to basically make themselves look good with white America mm. by fucking their own. And that's the problem that we have, you know. There's no unity, you know. If one guy makes it, he's like, oh, I'm here, fuck you guys. And he's trying to prove to the people on this side why he's okay to be there. And he's like, look, look, I'm fucking doing this for you guys. Mm. And he's willing to fuck his own people. And that's what's wrong. In other words, you know, one guy makes it and he don't help others. We need to help each other. We need to unite. We need to fucking make this thing happen as a whole. Mm-hmm. If not, we're never going to move forward. That's right. That's right, man. 
Hey, yo, man, to wrap it up, bro, is there any tour dates coming up, man? Any shows that you want to just, just shout out there, man? Right now, I'm still working on my health, bro. You know, I had a situation where, you know, I, I got real ill, bro, and, you know, I didn't know if I was going to make it or not, man. I was in the hospital for seven months, man. And, you know, I, I never put my my health issues out there or whatever, you know, because it's like I've never wanted no one to feel, you know, like any type of way because, you know, I, I was not doing good. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, I, I never like to show anybody my weakness, you know, because there's just a lot of haters out there for mm -hmm. that reason. I kept everything very low and on the quiet. Um, I'm doing a lot better now, you know, but I'm not 100% to go out and tour and perform, and that's the reason why I haven't performed. I feel that if I go on stage and I perform, I want to be able to give my fans 100. Mm. I don't want to go over there and make a fool of myself or not be mentally prepared to do a show and to not look right while I'm on stage or have them be like, man, did you see him? He looked all fucked up or this or that. You know, you always have people for the smallest thing they look for to try to either put you down mm. or to say something negative. So I try not to leave any room for any of that. You know, but I do want to get back on tour, hopefully soon. I'm doing a lot better. Um, and I need to get a, a kidney transplant. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so, so I'm not doing all bad, but I'm not doing all good. You know, so I need to focus on my health. In the meanwhile, I'm still recording, still doing music, and I'm bringing out some talent. I got some, like I said, Big J. I got a few other homies. Uh, that I'm working with, and I, I want to make sure that I leave a legacy behind of people that can talk good about me the day I'm not here. I, I don't want people to remember me if something happens as, like, oh, that motherfucker was an asshole. You know what I mean? Mm. I, 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 I'm good to people, you know, and I'm a righteous dude, and I want to make sure that's how things, you know, always, you know, ended, you know, I, I don't want to be remembered as, as somebody that didn't give love and give nothing to his people. So, um, with that being said, right now I need to focus on my health and get better. I'm getting better and better. And, you know, once I'm ready, I am going to get out there and perform and, uh, do some shows. That's right. That's my life, man. That's my life. Yeah. And that's exactly why I didn't want to bring it up, bro. You know what I mean? That you've been going through some health yeah. problems and stuff. Cause I don't, yeah, you know what I mean? I, like, I don't want to step like, over and stuff. It's cool. It's cool, bro. You know, I put it out there because it is what it is. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm doing good enough now where I can take care of myself. You know, a while back, I couldn't. You know, I was, I was doing real bad. And, you know, people tend to step on you when you're at your, weakness, at your mm -hmm. weakest moment. And it's hard for you to bounce from that when you're, you're not capable of handling a situation because of your health. Right now, I might not be at my best health, but I can handle
side a few things. You know what I mean? And if I can't handle it a certain way, I'll handle it a different way. So, you know, with that being said, I'm all good. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want to bring negativity to the table. I don't want to talk about what I can do to someone. Uh, it's not what it's about, you know. What it's about is our people growing and us bringing nothing but positivity to what we have, which is, you know, our, our, our own world of rasa. Let's make it grow and let's keep this movement going and, and let's not give up, man. And let's fight for what we believe in. Mm-hmm. And that's for health, man. That's for, uh, you know, us being Latinos and Mexicanos, you know what I mean? We don't, <laughs> we don't, you know what I mean? I mean, frankly, you know what I mean? We don't have the most healthiest foods, you know what I mean? I mean, at least the ones that we're usually craving, we, us Mexicanos, you know what I mean? We like to put, you know what man. I mean? We have the most greasy shit, man, but it's the bombest shit. Yes, I'm saying, bro. And, and, you know, and then if we don't have Mexican food, we have Italian. Andale. You know, pasta, no. lasagna, pizza. And then if we don't have that, we have Chinese. You know, we, it's like the people say, oh, you eat Chinese food and then you're hungry in another hour. Well, it depends what you eat. <laughs> I don't eat vegetables. I eat Chinese food, I eat some fucking pollo and some fucking all kinds of, you know, different types of meats, you know? So it just depends on what you eat. But yeah, I mean, food is delicious, man. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you got to just watch yourself on and educate yourself on what you eat. And it's not so much what you eat, it's eating at the right moment. Like, you know, if you eat, like say you're busy all day, a lot of times, a lot of our rasa is very busy, and they don't have the time to, to, to eat or whatever, and they get home late from work or whatever, or they get home at, say, 8 o'clock, and then they're barely eating dinner around 9.30, hmm. and then they go to sleep. That's what fucks you up. Yeah. You know? So we have to educate ourselves on when and when not to have certain certain things, you know, and slow down on on the beer, you know, even though you, a lot of people say, man, but Chuck, beer is good. It is, man, but shit, that shit's so fattening, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you just gotta, just gotta watch yourself, man, that's it, man, and then take care of yourself because as time goes, we get older, and as we get older, that's when things start happening, so when you're a kid and you're 20, you're 25, nothing matters, man. Mm -hmm. your, your body's like a machine that just rips through everything. But after a while, you know, as you get older, the machine is not ripping through everything. And you're like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? You know, I'm, I'm getting stuck. Well, that's because you're not taking care of yourself, you know. So we just got to be careful, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For all you youngsters out there thinking that you ain't going to, you know what I mean, suffer from eating what you want, like the way you guys are doing right now, man, you got something waiting for you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, be careful, shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, man. Hey, man, gracias for everything, bro. You know what I mean? Like, you just, I mean, I, I, I could be asking shit for days, bro, because there's just so much, you know right, what I mean, right. about, you know what I mean, about you, about your history, about just, just you in general, bro, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I'm so fucking, you know what I mean, honored to have you on the show, bro. I mean, I'm, I'm a longtime fan, and I just, you know what I mean? 
I'm even more of a fan right. now, n- knowing all the you know things that you've told us on the show, like with with Johnny J and all those stories, man, bro. I'm I'm more of a fan now, bro. And um, you know what I mean? Just just thank you for everything, bro. Right. Throughout the years, you fucking hey, blessed us with some you dope know, ass music, bro. You know, I I appreciate you having me on the show. You know, and it's it's a a two way street here, bro. You know, you you had me on your show, and I appreciate it, and uh, thank you very much for it. And anytime you need something, man, you can always count on me, and you can get at me. I'm not the kind of person that's gonna say no. I'm always down for my raza, you know. And later on, you know, I'll call you on a on a personal note, like we do chop it up sometimes, yeah. and. Uh, I'm going to send you uh, a couple of shirts. Uh, I'm going to send you uh, one personally for you. You just let me know your size. Right. And then I'm going to send you another one so you can raffle it through your podcast. Right. And then I'm going to send you some CDs so that way you can kind of, you know, have a little, little contest. Maybe you can ask a certain question or whatever and do like a little quiz with people. And then, you know, whatever you do or however you do it you can give away uh some cds so i'll send you like 10 of, the, of my last cd uh the return of the kingpin i'll send you 10 of those and then you can figure out how you give them away or how you distribute them through you know little uh raffles or whatever you do yeah. and that's just to show the love and appreciation to the fans that are out there listening Chingon, bro. Hey, that's nothing but love, bro. That's that's what's up, bro. That's what's okay. up. All right, my boy. So you know, uh, I'll give with you. I'll give you a call uh, mañana, and then uh, we'll go over that, and so I can get the address to send them to and stuff like that. That's what's up, bro. And Simon, yeah, I mean, I have have some uh, um, other stuff that I wanted to talk to you about too. You know what I mean? And we could chop it up, like you said, okay. uh, some other time, bro. And um, you know what I mean? As for today's okay. episode, bro. You know, we got the legend, Mr. Night Out, El Tecolote, on the Hip Hop Spot podcast. You know, for all you youngsters out there, man, listen, learn, and apply this shit to your own lives. This has been another episode of That Dopeness. Peace. (laughs) Arrato. Arrato.